theonomists go a step further and want to force people to obey Christian living, Christian morals. I mean, that, that is perfectly paralleled to Sharia law. That is not supportable with New Testament teachings. So I think I understand why your your buddy was so offended by how heated I got in that whole back and forth, uh, because y'all were having the conversation based on this context of what you view theonomy as, even though you were sharing a viewpoint that fit was more in line with what I understand theonomy to be, you know, the the bad side of theonomy yeah. perspective. Um, so uh, I think it's interesting that I guess I should have noticed earlier on in that whole back and forth that he had no context for the bad side of theonomy that's so publicized. Yeah, I'm, okay, there it is. I've, I found it. I, I went back and looked earlier, and I couldn't find uh, that particular um, uh, post uh, before, but I, I was afraid it might have got deleted. He doesn't seem to be the type that would delete anything he posts. <laughs> yeah, I kind of no, got that impression. Yeah, so the, the the other, and I think this is kind of a larger aspect of theonomy that uh, often gets muddled, not just in the context of theonomy, but in general, uh, oftentimes uh, in these kind of conversations, is who has the authority in, in a given situation, right? And most, most often there, there's three spheres that are discussed. You have the, the household, family, you have the church, and then you have the magistrate, right? And so there is authority that the, the husband has uh, over the wife, or that the father and, and mother have over the children, um, that the church doesn't have, and that the magistrate doesn't have. Similarly, there's authority that the church has over its body that the family doesn't have, and that the, the magistrate doesn't have. Similar with the magistrate authority that the church nor the household have. And if you want to get technical, maybe there's a fourth sphere that's the individual, uh, especially uh, a single person without a, a family uh, that's, that's only themselves. But in general, um, a lot of the objections that I heard you name specifically as far as comparing um, the Old Testament um, death penalty uh, with the love your neighbor, turn the other cheek kind of thing, the way I see that is we're looking at the Old, Old Testament civil laws, which are under the scope of the magistrate, uh, and comparing them to the New Testament injunctions to individual believers, which is a completely different sphere. And I think there's a, a, a category error of sorts going there because certainly execution for the death penalty wouldn't be conducted by an individual civilian, right? It would be conducted by an agent of the magistrate. Right, but that, that that gets back to the point 
the, the larger point behind my bringing up that detail. Uh, mm-hmm. Christ taught that Christians were supposed to live within the society. And Paul reinforced that with, and we've talked about this on a previous podcast, uh, uh, obeying the law, you know, obeying the authority uh, in as much as they don't directly contradict uh, living a Christ-like life and obeying God's law, uh, you are to obey the law. Nowhere in the New Testament is there described the ability for Christians to take over and run a Bible-based civil and moral law, right? So, yes, I agree we should strive for civil and moral law perfectly replicating Scripture, but if it doesn't, see, my, my problem with theonomy as it is presented, not as you believe in it, but as it is presented, right is that theonomists don't stop at you know God's law as what you described today okay theonomists the the, the writers of theonomy and the proponents in social circles of theonomy the the, the, the loud voices right the activists mm-hmm. go a step further and want to force people to obey christian living Christian morals, so the uh, honoring the Sabbath day, uh, not practicing non-Christian religions in public, uh, being forced through authoritarian punishment not to. I mean, that that is perfectly paralleled to Sharia law. That is not supportable with New Testament teachings. You, you have to depend on a legalistic view of Old Testament Mosaic law to get to that point, right? So we should we should strive to influence society to have a more biblical view of civil and moral law. But that theonomy as as a topic pushed by Christians who support it, generally not by you. The, the standard operating procedure is not stopping where you're stopping. It, it wants to dictate a Christian uh, supervised, a Christianity managed uh, government. And nobody will ever say, you know, replace the American Constitution with it and stop there. The, the idea seems to be all of Earth under a single world religion theonomy based on the Bible, where you cannot practice anything but Christianity. If you choose not to pr- practice Christianity, we won't force you to, but you can't practice any other religion. And they'll they'll never go into specifics as to what the punishment yeah. would be, but the, 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 the presumption there is there is an actual authoritative punishment for doing so, right? That, that's not biblical. There's nothing in the New Testament that supports that attitude. That's why I can't well, support theonomy because that example. is the prevailing idea behind popular theonomy today. Yeah, that level and I think is reserved for the new heavens and the new earth. Right. I, I think it's fair to say. So I'm 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 with you on that and and that that gets into I think more of the postmillennial view, the, the, the reconstructionist view of theonomy. Um 
that kind of branches out uh, beyond uh, any particular magistrate. I don't, I honestly don't know of any mainstream uh, theonomic view that would advocate for this global uh, conglomerate. But as I said before, I'm a bit of a neophyte. My primary influences have been specifically with uh, Apologia, which Marcus was uh, affiliated with for a while, Jeff Durbin, uh, those guys, um, and some of their particular applications. And, yeah. and I'll grant that um, the foundation that I'm laying possibly could lead to those applications. So I don't want to say that this completely eliminates that. I don't think it necessarily leads that way. See, and that's my that's my concern. That and that's where my comments on your post came from, right? Yeah. Uh, the the Constitution should have never allowed us to get where we are today. But man has uh I, I wanna use a term that starts with a B, uh <laughs> uh destroyed the meaning of the Constitution, twisted it, manipulated bass. Mm-hmm, you know what I'm thinking. Uh, thirdized the con the Constitution into something it was never intended to be, to get us to the authoritarian state we're in today. All right, it is already yeah. a popular attitude within theonomic circles to have that same level of twisted intention of theonomy. What you are describing, what you support, I would be all for. I'd be I'd be behind that one hundred percent, but. I already see the leanings of extremists who are the main voices in theonomy conversations wanting to go so far beyond that that it doesn't remotely represent a Christian society. Uh, Their excuse for why they would do it is that, well, it would lead people to choose faith. Well, no, it wouldn't. That's when it gets into legalism. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, no, it wouldn't. And, and, and if I may speak um, perhaps on behalf of that view, um, I forget where exactly it is. Uh, I believe it is actually in the Pentateuch, uh, perhaps Deuteronomy, where the law is described as such a radical uh, departure from the world that other nations would look on Israel and say, who is their God that is that close to his people? And I don't have the exact uh, citation for it, but but the idea, I think, if we're, if we're going to try to make a biblical case for it, is that type of mentality where a society, uh, whether it's a community, state, or, or nation, is going to adopt a form of theonomy that's as strict as you're saying that the thinking seems to me to be an outworking of that acknowledgement, that this law would be so good that other nations or other areas, societies that don't have this law, look at this law and aren't attracted by obedience to faith, but are attracted by the closeness of God to his people. And that's what draws them in to God. Does that make sense? Yeah, and if, if that was the limit of it, I would even agree because when I read the law in the Old Testament, uh, you know, earlier in the year in our uh, annual reading through the Bible, I was listening to some of the details of it. And some of the more strict details, you know, the uh, year of jubilation, uh, every seventh year you forgive debts, you, you, you prorate 
uh, loans and stuff based on the fact that after seventh, the seventh year they're forgiven. So don't not loan to somebody because you have to forgive it in a year because you're six years into the seven-year passage. Uh, the, the whole system of yeah. Jewish society was meant to make them more of a unified community and make them, lo- you know, bring them, intentionally bring them to loving each other. But that th- that 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 gets back to my whole point of the physical nation of God that was the conduit to bring Christ into the world was a very different entity than the spiritual body of Christ under the new covenant. So they're wanting to apply that and show the nation the love of God in the community through forced uh, legalistic government that they are openly admitting that anyone living in their society who doesn't live by this system would be punished under the law. Those people aren't choosing to live in your society if they're forced to practice your system, right? That the, the people, the, the non-Jews who lived in the Jewish society were either slaves, they were indentured servants, or they chose to stay and live under the rule of Jewish law after they were out of their slavery or their indentured servitude or whatever, right? Uh, those people lived under the law and were punished the same way Jews were for not obeying the law. But the way this is described is it's a it's a Christian equivalent of Sharia law, right? It's not showing the world outside of our Christian nation, our Christian theonomy nation, the love of God and showing them that they should want to be here with us, right? I could agree with that, yeah. but that's not the way it's described and not the way it's presented and not the way it's supported. And insofar as it's supported by that logic, I'm with you. I, I would reject those outworkings as well. Um, but my, my hope is to love God's law as we should do, uh, to want to see not just God's people flourish, but society flourish, which I believe, and, and I think we're united on this as well, is best under the prescriptions of God, our creator, the one who created us, knows what's best for us, sustains us, and has revealed to us his will. Why not follow it, right? So, I mean, that's that's kind of my, my general motif. And, and but because we know the God who gave that law to us is not the God of Islam, I don't see the necessary outworking as being Sharia law. So in my mind, there's got to be something that doesn't lead to the the um, totalitarianism that was uh, the Roman Catholic Church uh, and and the the corrupt popes for for as long. It is not the Middle but, East and Sharia law. But the problem I see is that the world they're describing is the Dark Ages Roman Catholic Church is Sharia law. I, I I'm not interested in even trying what you're describing. If there's a decent chance a of it turning into what they're describing, that it gets that way. Yeah. Right. So let let me try this. Let's let's take those fears one at a time, based on what I've laid out and the potential for overreach, and and see how far we get before you start to push back. So the individual level. If the individual 
He's truly regenerated. Looks at God's law and says, I'm going to do everything that I can because God saved me and I want to do what he's, he's told me to do. Any problem with that? Nope. Okay. For the household, you or me, if we were to say, look, we are, but I mean, in, in, at least in my case, for example, because Naomi's been baptized, I think your youngest has not been. Is that right? Correct. Yep. Your oldest has. Your Correct. Your youngest has not. So in my case, the entire household is believing families. We're not paedo-baptists. We're not Presbyterians. So <laughs> we can't say the covenant household in that regard. Um, but even in your context as uh, commanded to raise your children in fear and admonition of the Lord, if we were to say, look, we are a Christian household. And this is what I believe God has called us to do. Do you see any problem with conducting a household? in that manner no okay. but i don't believe i have the authority of the government to punish moral sin according to the mosaic law right i have okay. the authority to punish sin and try to correct behavior with with punishment and discipline but it, it's still not up to the family to like if someone if one of my kids had sexual relations right it, even if we were living under the uh mosaic law it, it's not the moral authority of the back fa- and stone them. right stone them right? right uh so yes it's my authority to set standards set rules set uh punishments for disobeying rules and laws and moral in biblical moral code well there's within a limit your authority there and not legalistic do what well within your authority and not legalistic in and of itself right 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 okay so let's take this to the next level let's go to the church suppose cross point look for example and said for, for our members and, and for brevity, let's just take the Ten, ten Commandments. Um, for our membership, um, we will uh, expect all of our members to adhere to these uh, as best as possible. So if, if you're convicted of murder, you're no longer a member. That's probably something that we would do anyway, just, just for the sake of it, um, if you were to steal. See, I don't know. I don't know that we would... I don't know that the New Testament gives the church the authority to remove a member for committing murder. If it's unrepentant sin, they should be disciplined by the church. And if they refuse the discipline, then removed from the church body. But, you know, all, this is this is where my hesitation with familial there punishment comes from, right? I, I'm going based on the New Testament standard for the church discipline and authority and punishment of members uh you're first supposed to bring it before the church council uh no first supposed to go to the brother to go to the brother individually bring a witness and then go with two or three witnesses then bring them for church discipline okay and then if none of that works to the elders yeah then you know separate them from the body but even okay. then, they're, a, they're not necessarily permanently removed from the body of Christ. They're just removed from the church unless and until they repent 
in return into communion with God. So the, right. the already so, so we're departed from what I see as the mainstream view within theonomy of Old Testament punishment. Okay, that, that's fair. And good to point out, since one of your objections was the New Testament injunctions, that two or three witnesses standard for church discipline is taken right out of the Pentateuch as what's needed to establish a charge. Right. So there's there's the kind of, not for the whole thing, but just one example. Right, but it, it's 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 two witnesses, you know, approach the person, bring a witness, bring them before the church. If they if the even after discipline they don't repent, you, you dismiss them from the body of Christ. But not you know without getting into the whole one can lose their salvation, the Armenian, the Lutheran, and all that kind of crap. That that's that's not even necessarily saying the person is permanently separated from the body of Christ if the sin was something other than rejection of God, you know, denial of God. So even within that, there isn't New Testament support for the Old Testament Mosaic law worldly punishments for civil and moral sin, right? Mm. They're, they're not rejecting it. There's just not support for it. It's a different type of attitude towards the person in the sin. Uh, under the old system, a person was automatically guilty of uh, uh, blood guilt if they killed a person even an unintentionally, right? They were separated from the physical society because of the whole sacrificial system and they were unclean because of the blood guilt. God's God's blood has permanently removed sin from believers, right? So if they are a believer and accidentally killed somebody, that particular punishment under the civil law doesn't have the same meaning with the perfect sacrifice having washed us clean of our sin. So and, well so so there's there's two two forms of reconciliations or two aspects of reconciliation needed there, right? There's vertical reconciliation between us as the sinners and God, and that sin is paid for. But if I sin against my neighbor, not only do I need forgiveness from God for the sin, but I need to be made right with my neighbor. And so that does involve restitution. And in the case of capital crimes, that is part of that milieu, if you will. So but, 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 so here, here's where, here's where we're disconnecting. So, okay. you know, we talked about uh, our opposition to Casey's position uh, for preventative uh, laws. Right. You have a wreck. You, you have a tire blowout and have a wreck. You run into a family and kill two kids. Okay. That's, that's an unintentional death. It's it's a blood guilt because it's an unintentional killing, right? Mm, I don't know. I, I I don't know where is the um, I, I guess even the Old Testament reference for uh, blood guilt for accidental death because one as you're looking uh, I'll say one of the examples that I'm aware of is that if uh, if your ox gets out and gores another man uh, and kills him. You don't have blood guilt, but if your ox has known to be violent and he gets out and gores a man to death, 
then you do have blood guilt. So there's negligence in associated with that. So in your example, if it's just a random blowout, if I hit something in the road and swerve, by, by that standard, there's no blood guilt. However, if my mechanic told me three months ago, hey, you need to replace that, that right rear tire, it's going bald, and I neglect to do so, and as a result, I hit uh, the car. I, it ha- I have a blowout and swerve into it. Then that's my negligence, and that, that is responsibility. It's not considered an accidental death because I have my willful negligence uh, fueling that particular incident. Does that make sense? I don't see it as willful negligence. Uh, any, it, any, it, it's it's uh, uh, under under New Testament law. I uh, the the New Testament system. I don't see support for someone being obligated to restitution for the negligence, right? I'm not saying it's not negligence. I, I don't see the obligation, the parallel to the Old Testament blood guilt. I, I don't see that supported in the New Testament anywhere. Well, I, I think it's safe to say that from, from a New Testament perspective, there aren't prescriptions for the civil magistrate because the message of the gospel isn't for the civil magistrate. It's for individuals. So the majority of the injunctions there Right. So on that point, if the whole point of a theonomy is to show the world the love of God through the Christian life, if we are to turn the other cheek when we are wronged, how can we then have a system with a punishment for a negligent act that was unintentional, that resulted in unintentional death if we're supposed to turn the other cheek? How can we then have a system that has punishment for something we're supposed to turn the other cheek on? If it happens to us. Because, as Jesus said, uh, the greatest commandment and the second likened unto it is uh, love your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these hang all the law and the prophets. So when it comes to the punishment for taking another life, that is consistent with love of neighbor. That is consistent with recognizing the value and dignity of every single human life as being made in the image of God created for a purpose and to take their life without cause is a violation of that purpose is a sin against God and should be dealt with accordingly. And that gets, no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's talk about what, what is legally authorized for blood guilt for an unintentional death. Okay. They are banished to a separated city. I'm talking murder. Hold on. They're, they're, they're banished if it's if it's an unintentional death, but it does get covered by the blood guilt side of things. So the a known bull, a bull that's known to be violent, kills a person. Uh, you didn't murder the person, but it is blood guilt kind of death. Okay. If we have that in current society, all right. The Old Testament prescription was they were banished to one of the prescribed cities where they had to live out the rest of their life, and if they didn't stay there until that magistrate died, that well, high priest died, then the family member could seek, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Justice, but uh, vengeance 
the, the family member could seek vengeance against the person and kill them if they left the city, okay? New Testament, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, all right? We are not mm-hmm. supposed to take vengeance on people. We are supposed to forgive them and turn the other cheek. We're, so that, that application so, of yeah, yeah. the law being loving thy neighbor as thyself, I don't think that's that particular description of the law being loving the neighbor as thyself is applicable under Christ's teaching. So, so in that example, okay, you have the unintentional death that leads to the exile to this particular colony, Uh, you know, colonial America. We had the penal colony. We call that Georgia now. Um, (laughs) Britain had Australia, Australia. the continent of criminals. Um, Love you, Australia. Um, but the civil punishment was you go here, you don't leave, right? This is where you live now, according to, to the law. And how, however big that land is, say, if they committed it in Birmingham and they have to go live in Moody, right? Or they committed it in Huntsville and they have to go live in Mobile, right? Depending on how big the society is that we're talking about, if it's a county, if it's a state, it's going to vary. But the law would apply in, in our context to not just those in the new covenant, but those outside the new covenant as well. So if I am the family of uh, the victim in this accidental death, I am called as a Christian to not pursue vengeance, right? So uh, I am called to forgive that person. However, if I'm an unbeliever and that person breaks the, the agreement for his punishment and leaves Moody and comes back to Birmingham, I have every right under the law to pursue the, it's like violating probation, right? You violate the but probation. But see, that's, that's not a Christianity based theonomy. That is an old Testament Jewish mosaic law based theonomy that, that, that is not I mean, showing the world, the love of Christ. That is showing them. Sure. The, is, because the, Christians, will contrast themselves from the world in how we act in those situations. But that's if, where but if the theonomy said, so the salt, here's the here's where I here's where I really digress from the school of thought that is theonomy, okay? Okay. It's not good enough for Christians to differentiate themselves from the world. Theonomy should be applying the law from the Christian viewpoint. Okay, if we allow non-Christians to adhere to the law as they see fit, but not adhere to the rest of the law, then where do you differentiate what punishment is applied to which people, right? So non-believers can break the law of having no other God before uh, the Lord. Mm-hmm but they can follow the law that we choose out of love not to, to take vengeance on the breaker. You, you see, it's, it's a self-contradictory system. There is no consistent objective standard there. Well, in, uh, I want to say it's in one of the Corinthian letters. Paul um, admonishes them not to pursue lawsuits against believers. Because there should be a level of forgiveness within the body that doesn't seek outside worldly authority to come in and adjudicate that matter. 
that's something that should be handled within the house of God. Yeah, that and, and that's that that's another reason I would oppose have... a theonomy governing non-Christians. Okay, so... So if we're not supposed to depend on outside governmental intervention between members of the body of Christ, why would we assume that Paul was okay with us going the other way and having Christianity supervise and dictate rules to society at large outside of the body, right? That, that's, why well, I keep, that's why I keep coming back to a request for yeah. New Testament support for theonomy. Well, so a couple of things. One, the, the Old Testament law is no less a reflection of God's holiness and character to Israel than it is for us. Okay? I don't disagree with that. Okay. So, also, when, even though Jesus never said specifically, don't sleep with your father's wife. Right? Did did not make that specific prohibition, did not echo that particular Levitical law. Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 5 uh, to describe that very situation happening in the church to expel that. So he's appealing to the law in the life of the New Testament believers at the time. So there is a correlation of some sort. Now, granted, I don't have it all worked out, but to say simply that those laws don't apply, I think puts us on dangerous track, both in our Christian life and how we pursue what are good works. I don't think the laws don't apply. I think depending on the worldly punishments for those laws under the Mosaic system is faulty. Well, I, I I wouldn't go whole cloth you know, not growing um, crop, two different crops in the same field, wearing mixed fibers, and, and punishments one for one on that. Um, not yet. It might be something to, to consider, but one of right. Uh, you 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 have let's, you let's have a logical modern. objection to applying the whole law, even if well, we try to make a hard differentiator between the cultural, the civil, and the moral. I don't know that we can. But even if you let, try to make that difference, sorry, go ahead. Let, let, let me try this. So, so we've talked before about abortion, right? Abortion is the unjust taking of a human life, that unborn baby, right? If we were to, if we were just to wipe away current law, implement theonomy, presumably that would include holding the mother accountable for the death of that child, right? Yep. Okay. One of the um, problems that we have in the society that we have is we have gone now at this point pretty much two, two and a half generations under Roe v. Wade, abortion on demand, and continued expansion of abortion access and propaganda around that that has influenced young mothers, young, young women that the baby is not a human life, right? So we have lost that cultural battle as of now. And in a theonomic structure, if the goal is to protect human life to that degree where you would hold not just the the abortion doctor, but also the mother, 
then there's a process that needs to happen, right? We understand in modern terms, the mens rea, right? Having not just committed the crime, but understanding that it was actually a crime. Um, Whereas right now, a woman who really does not know or really does not believe because of the prevailing view of culture that the baby is a human being, then it is similar to, I would say, a negligent homicide, right? A negligent loss of life, similar to having a blowout on the interstate and you clip another car. Right. right? It's, it's, it's not something that she went in knowing this is a human life. I'm going to snuff it out. This was completely misguided, twisted in her understanding because the culture is so twisted. So it would take, for example, right now, stopping the practice, holding the doctors who perform it accountable because they should know. And they do know across the board because of their uh, additional education in the area, their specialization in OBGYN that that is a human baby. So they have the responsibility and so hold them accountable and potentially even the staff. And as those laws go into effect and reduce, that opens the door for the church to better care, better help educate, change the understanding so that we have a generation of young women who know that life inside them is precious, is made in the image of God, is created and has a purpose so that 20, 30, 40, 60 years, however long it takes, and you know, we can disagree on that uh, as well, down the line when there's a law that protects the unborn baby from their own mother, it's not as radical as it is now because there's an increased awareness and an increased expectation on not just the doctor, not just the medical professionals involved in the procedure, but now on the mother herself. And potentially even uh, a man who pressures her into it, right? I don't want to just single out women here, right? If you have a man who's pressuring the woman into it, well, then you have an accessory who's no less guilty for the death of a child. Yeah, I, I would. I would still ask for... New Testament support for Christians dictating what the laws for all of society non-Christians would be, right? The, the new covenant is yeah. amongst the body of Christ and God. It, it is a covenant of loving and adhering to the law under under that fellowship, right? Under that faithful uh, relationship. I, I just right. don't see any New Testament support for a, a Christian-managed society dictating to non-Christians mm. how they have to live, right? Because ultimately, okay. now, I wholly agree that society should be to a point where uh, the laws reflect the fact, the objective scientific fact that from the moment of conception, it is a genetically unique example of the human species and therefore should be considered just as much alive as a born baby because the only difference is the stage of development, right? If, if, if a person is required to uh, 
support and keep alive their baby once it's born, there is no scientific reasoning for not supporting it and keeping it alive pre-birth. Right? It's 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 pedantics so, so and semantics. Where do you get the New Testament understanding about this nature of the unborn baby? What do you mean? Well, because in the Old Testament, there is provision to protect the unborn life. And that demands blood guilt if two men are striving and one of them hits a pregnant woman and as a result she loses that child. So there is Old Testament precedent for protecting the the. Well, there's new te- there's New Testament pr- precedent for protecting life, right? If no, no, if I mean if specifically it, unborn life, because you you wanted to take it there, and so I'm well. That standard so no, okay, okay. So what I'm saying is, it is scientific fact that the unborn is alive. Okay, the argument by the pro-choice is that it's not a person; it's not alive yet, so it doesn't deserve protecting. Not always. Well, it's you, that's that's the prevailing, right? They're, they're getting more okay. bold with their willingness to say until it's born, even if it's a, a live baby, they still have the right to kill it. That's that's nauseating. Yep. But the prevailing standard isn't that extreme, right? Yeah. yeah. But what I'm saying is it is scientifically, by human standards, objectively alive, and there is New Testament support for protecting life, Okay. So if there is a New Testament standard for application of that law, okay, we, we apply it as such. But applying the punishment for Old Testament law that is not supported with New Testament standards, uh, uh, rape, you know, ki- killing, stoning to death uh, rapists, stoning to death uh, adulterers, that okay, there's not t- there's not New Testament of, support t- for those squad, pu- worldly up. punishments. Uh, it's still a crime, right? The law still exists, but the punishment under the crime is not supported. If it's not objectively supported in the New Testament, the punishment. Yeah, I, I, I think can't we're getting back into the disagreement we had over the death penalty. And uh, you know, if if we take the death penalty out of it. If we just look at the non-death penalty related offenses, do these same objections still hold? Well, yeah. I mean, in some cases, like disallowing a person to practice non-Christian beliefs in public, uh, disallowing people to uh, do things that dishonor the Sabbath day, that those are pretty common beliefs in theonomy, Right. That there is no New okay, Testament so, support so for this. Christians enforcing that on non-believers. So let's so let's take let's take that for a second. So, with the understanding that the law given to Israel was to be a light that attracted the the non-Israelites to that society, if say trustful, were to institute such things, right? There would be no sanctioned. Uh, worship of any other god other than the christian god so no mosques would be granted no synagogues would be granted and trustful itself became sort of a micro theonomy community and i still i still would reject it if it wasn't a new community created by christians moving in there and voluntarily becoming part of the community 
I would now, still how, oppose it no matter how big or how the, small the community was. So how big does the community need to be? You say you it's, want it's not the, it's not the size the it's not community. the size of the community. It's it's the fact that a government supervising secular society, a society that includes Christians and non-Christians, is dictating biblical standards to non-Christians. I I don't see support for that in the New Testament. If if a culture okay so. Uh, the the village is that the is that the M Night Shyamalan the name of the M Night Shyamalan yeah movie? okay so yeah. imagine that kind of scenario where a group of people mm-hmm. leave society and create their own new society with the laws of theonomy that you've described even right. even potentially the laws of theonomy that the more extreme people describe okay if they have isolated themselves from the world, not even that extreme, but in as much as the only people those laws apply to are the people who choose to be in their culture. Fine. But Christianity, God's message, Paul's teachings, do not give Christians the authority to dictate to secular society, you must live this way or be in... uh, concurrence with God's law, worshiping God, or at least not openly and publicly worshiping other than God, practicing beliefs that disrespect God, or be punished for it, right? That, that, there, there is no support for that that well, I can see that, in the New Testament. That's not the way the message is presented in the New Testament, but what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount is you are the salt, you are the light. Right? And if salt is lost its saltiness, it's good for nothing but to be trampled underfoot. And he who has a light doesn't hide it under a bushel. So there's a, an yeah, so we live by that we live by that standard are, within a world okay, that so, does not live by that so, standard. Okay, not that so, we dictate so, so hear that, me out. Not that we dictate I'm, that I'm standard dictate. to the world. I'm not saying dictate. And granted, throughout the majority of human history, Christians specifically have not had uh, the um, position to make such laws, to, to um, influence society in that way across the globe. But in our society right now, right, in, con- in conjunction with being salt, being light in the world that we have now, knowing that the God who created us also created our unbelieving neighbor, has also revealed to us his perfect will in the form of the Pentateuch, of the Law and the Prophets, to say, this is how you flourish, to the point where, even in Israel's day, other nations were to look at this in awe. And when we have the opportunity to influence our, whether it's community law, whether it's county law, whether it's state law or federal law, what better mechanism do we have to influence our decision-making and our um, behavior in the public square and our endorsement into what would promote goodness for everybody, including our unbelieving neighbor, besides the Bible. What what better standard is there? So you're, you're conf- and I don't think you're doing it on purpose, but you're conflating the point, right? If, if we choose to live under a legal system that strictly ties us to the Mosaic civil and moral law, 
and apply that amongst our willingly accept and apply that amongst ourselves and let the world see that as an example of God's love that's wholly different than pushing that on a secular society where not everybody believes and voluntarily accepts that right there there is there there is support in the new testament for christians willingly submitting willingly being slaves to christ under a law under a legal system like that there is no support well, sure. for a legal system but we don't have the situation that the the new testament or that the apostolic era was under we don't have that same kind of cultural animosity uh, towards us. Now, I, granted, I, I'd say other animosity. than I'd say other than the culture killing us, we, we have a pretty similar animosity today. <laughs> I'd say other than Nero burning Christians at the state, burning Christians, and killing them en masse, we've got a pretty uh, antagonistic. Okay relationship with cultural yeah, society. There's, so there's my, 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 sure. my, my rebuttal to you there is that if if that is applied to Christians and Christians willfully accept membership in a society, a, a Christian-only society where the Mosaic law is applied to them as such, okay, but there is no New Testament support for a theonomy of the whole world, believers and non-believers, where Christians dictate that non-Christians be held to those standards. It's just not well, there. No, again, because if, if, if the goal era, there is Christians to show them the love, position. if the goal there is to show them the love of God and the right nature of living by willfully living under that system, forcing them to live under that system is not showing them that love. It's, it's dictating to them, you will worship I mean, it's basically, uh, it's not exactly the same because, you know, it's worshiping the God instead of a false God, but it's basically the kings trying to force, uh, uh, oh gosh, what was the first guy's name? Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to worship their God, right? You, you, You can't force someone to do something and then say you're showing them love, right? They, they have to come to that. Whether whether it's whether it's reformed belief and you believe God changes their heart first and then they believe, or you believe as I do, someone uh, humbles themselves before the Lord and ex- faithfully accepts God as their Savior. Uh, either way, forcing a blind person to behave as if they can see doesn't make them see. Yeah, no, I'm. I, I wouldn't. I, I don't think that's a fair characteristic of what I'm saying either. So, so maybe we're just both but, tired. But, but it's, 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 it's what would come of a theonomy applied to non-believers, right? Well, no, I mean, just take some, some basic things, right? I mean, I listed a, a few examples earlier, but expanding the moral law, right? What if there was uh, societal penalties for homosexuality, for adultery? for premarital sex because they are fundamentally bad for the people who engage in those. They are fundamentally bad for society as a whole. But how, how does, how does that mesh with either God changing their heart in reformed theology or them 
humbly submitting themselves before the Lord willfully, as I believe. That 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 doesn't mesh. It, it doesn't. You're punishing the, the, you're punishing them worldly things. when vengeance is the Lord's for something that no one is there there's no victim other than themselves for. Not necessarily. Because in in a society that endorses uh, sexual deviancy, it's not just one person who's involved. It's for one, it's everybody who's involved in that type of behavior. So if you're if you're talking, for example, promiscuity, that's a negative impact on everybody who engages it, and of course their partner, right? So it's it's multiple victims. It's not just a single person, and the public view devalues sex as a whole. It but devalues it's, it's, so you're still, as a whole. You're still, that, you're still begging a question there, right? The, the, only, okay, reason, the only reason that there's multiple victims is if, let's say, okay, let's say sexual promiscuity of unmarried teenagers, a, a boy and girl or two boys or two girls, mm-hmm. right? Sexual promiscuity. All right. There's the, the only way there's two victims because they both voluntarily agree to do this sin. The only way there's two victims is if the future husband or wife of one of those people is, is victimized of having a uh, virgin spouse by this happening. And that person is also a Christian, right? So it, it, you're 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 conflating the physical nation of Israel with the spiritual body of Christ, and and a whole different uh, connection. No, I'm I'm not conflating those things at all. I'm coming to it as what's best for society, plain and simple. Right, but but the, the, the only way there's multiple victims, flourishing. the the only way there's multiple victims. I don't disagree. It's not. It's it's. I don't disagree. It's best for society that homosexuality doesn't exist. Uh, sexual promiscuity, other other sins like that. But mm-hmm. the, unless it's an adulterous woman of a Christian husband sleeping with, you know, her yoga instructor. There's no victim of most of the crimes you named off outside of special circumstances, right? There, there's not there's not an external victim of two singles having a sexually promiscuous relationship. Okay, so you're forcing or, Christian okay, okay. or I, 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 I mosaic law, sort of, sort of like the speeder, right? He's not hurting anybody by speeding. So why make not sure not hurting anybody but himself? Right, and right. if if he's, so two people if he's, who engage in sexual deviancy are hurting nobody but each other, and they're willing participants. Right. So at, at the at that okay. point, that if if they live their entire lives unrepentant and face the Lord after their death in judgment, vengeance is the Lord's. You know what 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 okay, right yeah, do I okay. have? What right so, do I have to punish them? under a law they're not willingly submitting to. That that's why I yeah. disagree with theonomy. Because theonomy I, I wants and, to punish and, and I'm not them to force them to live by our standards. Okay. So with 
with that, how about this? What if, and, and this is me kind of refining my view as we go. I, I, I think I finally caught on to what you're saying. What if something like the moral aspects of the law, instead of instituting penalties as, uh, per se, um, that there is an absence of endorsement? So, for example, a community, say Birmingham, let's just take a mid-sized city, right? What if Birmingham adopted a form of theonomy that no longer, for example, granted um, LGBT organizations uh, uh, permits to, to hold a parade, right? That's not a penalty. They're not saying you're conducting this behavior, therefore there's this penalty, but they are going to say because you are acting outside of what is best for human flourishing, outside of behavior that is acceptable, we will not endorse that and we will not permit that public celebration to be endorsed by our city. So the, w- would that the, be something closer to? There's two questions there. Uh, and I lean towards a, accepting and agreeing that they have the right to do that. From a theological perspective, the problem there circles back to our early conversations. Uh, The state of Alabama and the city of Birmingham as a part of the state of Alabama have already accepted membership into the United States of America. And the overarching prevailing law does not allow that. So that is viewed as discrimination within the master law of the civilization we live in. Uh, well, so the city, the city, so well, yeah, I mean, assuming, assuming that wasn't the case, sure. Birmingham could do that and not endorse sin. I'd be great with that. I would love for that to happen, but because we live as Paul stated under the authority of, uh, the civil uh, authority, the master civil authority of our society has deemed that that is unjust uh, discrimination. Okay. Right. So, so if we had a king, we'd, we'd deal with it and we would be our own people. Right. But we don't have a king. We have influence on what those are. Maybe not Birmingham specifically because we're not citizens. But whatever city, whatever county we live in, and the state that we live in. Right. We, 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 push, for, we push for laws that don't endorse sin. That's great. But okay. we can't so take that, it so that, far that, that it conflicts with existing law. We can personally refuse to accept that and endorse that sin. But we can't. We live under the authority of the society. You know, Paul was unjustly imprisoned several times in his life because he broke their laws, even though he never sinned by breaking their laws. He lived under their authority. By the same token, we live under the authority of the United States, which de- determines that uh, re- you know, publicly and culturally and governmentally rejecting sin is discrimination, uh, uh, discordant with our law. But that doesn't mean we have to personally endorse it, right? We can choose to not endorse it, even if it means jail time, because of like of the, Christian uh, conviction. Like the baker in Colorado, right? Exactly, like the baker. Yeah. 
So, so we can support, for example, municipal statutes that would protect somebody from civil penalties for refusing to endorse something like that. But you know, across the board, we would have to presumably permit a, a host of undesirable behavior be protected. Well, we don't and have to permit it. We can't force or, or we would have to the understand to that it would be permitted. It. Right. Yeah. If if we're going to be consistent, we have we have to at least understand that there are going to be some desirable, I mean, undesirable uh, behaviors. For example, if we recognize uh, somebody's right to refuse service for uh, religious convictions because of homosexuality, and then somebody else comes along and says, well, I don't want to serve that person because they're of a certain skin tone. Right. Right. Uh, then, you know, it's up to the community at that point to band together, boycott, not give them money, let them go out of business and show that racism is awful and should go away. Well, I, I wouldn't even. This is one of those subjects where a lot of libertarians would call me not a libertarian or disagree with me. I don't really have a problem with uh, laws that, under the Constitution the way it's written, I don't really have a problem with laws that disallow general discrimination. Uh, like, like, refuse to service at all because of a general state, Right. I don't so that there's a difference between not serving someone at all because they're black and not serving not baking a wedding cake for a homosexual couple based on religious views, right? There's I, a, I think that's fair. There's yeah. a difference between that, okay? And I, I think it's perfectly fair constitutionally to have laws that don't allow discrimination because of unchangeable nature general discrimination for any sort of service versus not doing one specific thing because of deeply held beliefs right there's there's a big right. difference between okay. those things so uh yeah and that that kind of opens the door for another avenue <laughs> and, and maybe we can yeah. dig down more into that distinction there but it is coming up on tomorrow yeah so. i gotta go to bed <laughs> it probably so let's let let's let's identify I think a couple of areas where we found some solid agreement. One is in the foundation, uh, foundational approach. Right, God's law is uh, better than man's law across the board. It's more just. It's more. Uh, uh, it's more good. Um, and if we're looking at uh, what standard is best, God's law, at least for our purposes as Christians, God's law is going to be what we gravitate towards. Yeah, absolutely. In practice, the, the civil magistrate, I think we found good um, agreement that if there's not any actual damage done, no restitution to be made, that's a good opportunity to, to rein the police in, rein the civil magistrate in. For reals. And not put that burden on the, the citizens. And, and that has a lot of positive impacts on the current um, public view towards police officers, our, our uh, at, at least the good ones, the bad ones are going to get it anyway, but that helps community relations with uh, those tasked uh, to help protect them. And I think this is where I kind of shifted a little bit when it comes to uh, more moral aspects of the law, uh, rather than institute penalties consistent with the Mosaic law, 
perhaps it's better not to endorse them from the magistrate position. Yes. Pretty good summary of the show for, for the too long didn't listen. Yeah, too long didn't listen. <laughs> I think we'll have to break this up into two. Yeah. Anybody having a down? Nobody's going to listen to a three hour session. We're not James White. <laughs> Thank God for that, right? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I knew you'd like that. All right, brother. It was great to have you back. So glad you were able to join us. Can't wait for next week. Uh, and man, just hope you have a good rest of the week. Thanks, Stay fam. safe and uh, get some rest, buddy. Yeah, man, I need it. Love you, bro. Uh, love you too. Peace. Thanks for listening, yo. Love See y'all. you next time.